Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And of course, what do we say about our Sky team? What do we say about them? <laughs> what? Go Sky. So some of you know that the mayor of Phoenix and I had a little bet. Really? <laughs> and Phoenix. we won, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. All right. Okay. Without a doubt. Huh. Yep. But the Wilson basketball oh, um, God, company. Oh, God, no, no. They had some losses literally basketball. right across. Oh, the a- <laughs> we have one basketball. One school gets like 100 <laughs> basketballs. <laughs> Don't get me started, Mayor Lightfoot. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Wednesday, December 22nd is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com, and if you want to help out this program, you can, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, December 22nd, and this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson and Charles Ellison. And now your host... Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Keep On Rolling Wednesday, and here's why. Because right before we went on the show, we were talking, Dennis and I, about uh, how this COVID uh, crisis is going to be a little different than the one a year ago. Was it a year ago? Hold on. Let me do this, T. Hold on now. We are now in December. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Let's uh, edit that, D, when you do the editing. Okay. Okay. okay we'll do <laughs> Mark that real quick. Okay. Yeah, just mark that. Uh, that was at the one minute mark. Uh, edit. Let me look here. Not doing it. Okay, great. <laughs> After the one minute mark, he writes, not doing it. Let's just uh, placate the host and let's uh, keep rolling. Not anyway, marking keep rolling. Dennis goes, we're going to be keep rolling. Unlike the, the mark, it would have been a March, April 20, 2000, uh, 2020. And uh, you're right. We are keeping rolling. It's like the NBA. The NBA's keep on rolling. <laughs> like the teams are down to eight bodies. They're bringing guys up in the D League. For our uh, non-sports listening fans out there, I know you're out there. Uh, the D League is the development league. So these are the guys who generally are not considered good enough to play in the NBA. But D, I'm such a, a addict. Well, I believe it's I called love uh, watching these guys play. I believe it's called the G League. My bad, the G League. Uh, D, could you edit that out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Watch. This is how I'm going to handle it. No, I did say G League. 
You you just heard Miss Heard. Oh, oh yeah, like yesterday. Boo booster. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Wait, what was that? I already remember that. Donald one. Trump oh, talked yeah. about the booster. Anyway, uh, so these are guys that aren't considered, you know, good enough to be uh, in the real NBA, but they're pretty good. They got a lot of heart. They got a lot of hustle uh, and really love McKinney on the Bulls, Alfonso McKinney. So I'm really happy that he's there. Been around the league, graduated from Marshall High School. Anyway, the point is, is that the NBA is not going to shut down unless they absolutely have to. Like there's just so many guys with COVID that they have no choice. They're just going to keep on rolling, to quote Dennis. To quote Ario, Dennis's favorite group, keep on rolling. And um, that's, I think that's how to go. That's personally my belief. Politically, there is just no support for it. First of all, 50% of the country, as we all know, are maybe 45 to 50, uh, just adamantly against any kind of shutdown. Uh, they don't think COVID's for real. Uh, so you're going to have that rebellion going. And I don't think any Democratic politician wants to deal with a MAGA revolt again. Uh, and then I do believe, D, that even the people who have are more or less not in, they're more or less in the Democratic side of things, they don't want the shutdown either. They kind of want to just, you know, maybe, okay, now we're going to go to the cards that you have to show to get in, like at the United Center where my beloved Bulls play. You now I have to show a vaccination card to get in. Uh, my hideout, my beloved hideout, they used to make you do that. They were doing it long before it was fashionable. You had to show a vaccination card and an ID to prove that the name of the vaccine vaccination card was really who you are. Tim Tutton was not born yesterday, ladies and gentlemen. He may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. So he was like, oh, you think you're slick, huh? Uh-uh. I, mean, I do know guys, D, who are, uh, and I will not name names. I'm not naming names. But I uh, have some friends who are adamantly... Are they anti-vaxxers? I don't know what it is if you're like against this vaccine, but not against all vaccines. I don't know what you call them, but they're not getting the vaccine. And they'll give me, fill my ear with all sorts of reasons why they're not going to get it. I go, well, what, what about when you go to the Bulls game? <laughs> like, oh, God. my God. <laughs> like the card for my buddy, Billy Mac. Good Lord. Like, Man, what was that? Remember, um. That's uh, Seth Rogen wrote the movie. Come on, help McLovin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, That's super it. bad. Super bad. Remember McLovin and super bad? Yeah. So this is one step up for McLovin. Like in McLovin, all right, for all my listeners who've not seen super bad. D, do you think there's anybody out there who needs to know what super bad is? I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I think I don't we're good. Know. I think everybody knows super bad. I think everybody does. You know, I just I, I've gone down this road so many times in my life. I'm so used to explaining every freaking thing because the world I inhabit, the world of municipal financing, the world of politics is not the world, ladies and gentlemen, that most of you inhabit. So when I say something like TIFF, most of you are like, huh? What? Yeah, translation. Go pop culture and say something like super bad. Oh, of course I know what super bad is. No reason for you to tell me what super bad is. Translation. He likes boring stuff, everybody. <laughs> Wait a minute. I like super bad. You didn't, you didn't like super bad. Are you talking about the tips and all that? Yeah, that's the boring stuff. It is pretty boring. 
unless you think about it in the abstract of what it is. It's like rich people stealing from poor people. If you think about it that way, it's not boring. But what they do is they get you in the weeds. So you have to describe the technicalities of it. This is what the mainstream journalists do. Instead of telling you this is a program in which rich people steal from poor people, what they do is explain how it works. You know what's really boring? Trying to explain the mechanism behind a tip. Well, what they do is, see, they freeze the property tax yield in a district. (laughs) (laughs) Boring. Boring. There you go. Now you can keep go back to stealing. <laughs> it's the cackle of the powers that be that run this city. <laughs> they, they they loved it, man. They just make fun of me. Did they? Damn, I don't even know if they bother anymore. But oh, you, I see you wrote another Tiff story, Ben. <laughs> like the evil cackle. <laughs> you notice the Tribune's not picking up on it, Ben. <laughs> it's just you and your little Looney Tune lefty followers. Anyway, where was I? Uh, who oh, knows? McLovin. How did I get from that to the, who the hell knows? Passports, uh, vaccine or vaccine proof. Yes, that's where I was. So uh, Billy Bob, my friend, has a card. It's like one step up from McLovin, which is from Superbad, where the guy had a fake ID. <laughs> Come on, you got to give Seth Rogen credit, D. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> the, the card said McLovin. That was the word, the name he chose, McLovin. I always loved that. I was like, you know, Seth Rogen, that's good. That's good stuff, man. That McLovin was funny. Anyway, so they're one step up for McLovin, and, and apparently, I don't know, I guess it worked. Guy got into a Bulls game, got infected half the stadium. Hey, thanks a lot for nothing, Billy Bob. Uh, but uh, now, I guess they're, the, the hideout, that's where I was. The hideout to mess around. You can't get in with a McLovin uh, uh, Vax card. You got to show the McLovin Vax card and a driver's license that says McLovin on it. And even then, Tim Tut might go, hmm, I don't know about this. Anyway, uh, they they shut down. My beloved hideout, love the hideout. They shut down for the month of December. They're going to open up in January again to kind of let this thing see where it's heading, uh, this current COVID crisis. And... Um, uh, so the NBA, this, the Bulls are getting a little more stringent, and they're going to require no more McLovin cards. Oh, no. No, what they also let you do in the old days before uh, this current crisis at the United Center, if you showed them proof that you were negative in your last test, I think they'd let you in. Well, that proves out. I think that's where the cheating went. <laughs> that's where the heavy-duty cheating went on. You know, the McLovin, oh, I'm negative. Uh Anyway, people are very strange, man. They, they, it's like, you know, they got the principle. They don't want the vax for whatever reason, but they really want to go to their bulls game. You know what I'm saying? D it's like, they don't want to, I mean, you're making a stand. All right. Think about all the great people, what they sacrificed. Uh, they, what they gave up because they took a stand. Muhammad Ali. He did not believe he should have to be drafted. He believed that he had a religious exemption from being drafted. And furthermore, he did not in any way want to show in any sign that he was supporting the Vietnam War, the war in Vietnam. And so in resisting the draft, he gave up his title, his ability to fight, and his ability to make a living. Suddenly his family was almost destitute. He had to go on the road and give speeches at colleges to make a living. He put it on the line, D. He gave it up. You got to give a guy credit. That's like he's 
backing up what he supposedly believes in. Fast forward to my anti-vaxxer friends. They're like, what a, I have a principle, Ben, against this particular vaccine, but I don't want to give up a Bulls game. Like, are you kidding me? Muhammad Ali gave it everything up for his principles. You don't want to even give up a Bulls game? Nope, Ben. <laughs> really want to see DeMarvelous, DeRozan. I got to see him. So they get a McLovin card. That would be like if Muhammad Ali got a card in 1967 after he'd been kicked out of boxing that said his name was Billy Bob. Oh, I am not Muhammad Ali. I am Billy Bob. Now let me box. That, that would be. Hey, I'm surprised he didn't think of that, by the way, D. You know what I'm saying? You know, he had a card, McLovin. Not Muhammad Ali, McLovin. I'm going to fight Joe Frazier as McLovin. Anyway, it's pretty obvious uh, that we're going to uh, keep on rolling, uh, as Dennis says. And I think politically, this is the way to go. I feel as though the uh, the war over COVID shutdowns, uh, <laughs> it just, it, I, I, not worth it. Uh, and uh, so I, I'm kind of like liking this keep on rolling uh, stance to take deep, uh, particularly as we head into 2022. Uh, the Congress, it, it, I just don't think the country has a stomach for um, the kind of uh, massive shutdown that we, we went through in 2020. Yeah. So that's kind of how I think about it. And yeah, now uh, what is it? Uh, Lori Lightfoot is saying that you have to have a, uh, when does it take the whole, I think it, uh, after the, the first of the year, right? Yeah. And I have, have a car to get into everything. Oh my God, my bowling alley, my beloved bowling alley. Will they, yeah, you have to have a car to get into bowling alley. So that's part of the, uh, uh, keep on rolling strategy, and uh, I agree with it. I feel like got to kind of lower, just kind of lower the flame a little bit, lower the rhetoric. Let's try to figure out how we can navigate our way around the situation where our country is hugely divided on this issue. I just was watching, we're going to talk about this with Monroe, uh, the Kyle Rittenhouse appearance. I was just watching that before we went on the air, uh, before uh, a group of conservatives in Arizona. Nobody, it's jam-packed in there, nobody wearing a mask. Like it's they're defiantly not wearing a mask. So, you know, it's a pretty tense time uh, in the United States of America uh, over this issue. And so maybe it's just a good idea to kind of keep on rolling and uh, take it from there. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Monroe Anderson will be with us. Stick around, everybody. Mm-hmm. Monroe Anderson has joined us. The legendary journalist Monroe Anderson has joined us. I know the song there. And um, all right, Monroe. Uh, the many things to talk about, but the first thing I want to talk to you about, the first thing I want to mention to you uh, is what uh, I said to you earlier today, that uh, Mitch McConnell finally did it. I saw this day coming. I know you don't think it's going to happen, and you're going to explain why you don't think it's going to happen, but Mitch McConnell openly is wooing Senator Joe Manchin to leave the Democratic Party and join the Republican Party, and that would give Republicans control of the Senate. It would, it would uh, give Mitch McConnell control of the center. That is correct. <laughs> Said it. Yeah, I think we could successfully divide. When we think about it, Monroe, think about the today's modern Republican Party, which bears no resemblance whatsoever to Abraham Lincoln. Okay? No right. resemblance. Uh, when you think about the fact, you basically have MAGA, which is uh, the rank and file. They control the ballot. Then you yeah. have Mitch McConnell, who controls the Republicans in the Senate. I think that's the division that we have right now. Uh, and uh, so anyway, 
it would give if Joe Manchin were to um, agree to become uh, a Republican, it would give Mitch McConnell control of the Senate. Yeah. So you don't think it's going to happen? No, no. Now, if anything, if 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 they piss off um, the the West Virginian enough, then he will become an independent and vote with the Democrats most of the time, but occasionally with the Republicans. But which uh, is what effectively he is now. Yeah, exactly. But he 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 would become a dino. <laughs> he is a dino. I mean, no, no, yeah, right, exactly. No, I mean, he would become a what is a an independent, and I know, I guess. I know. He <laughs> so know. Yeah, yeah, I don't right. think the dino rhino uh, yeah. analogy works here. He is currently a dino. He's Democratic name only. Yeah, uh, and he has left the Democratic Party on almost all matters of budget uh, to negotiate as a free agent. I've never seen anything like this, Monroe. I've been following politics obsessively uh, since 1970s. I've never seen anything like this where one senator had. Well, because it's never, it's not been that close in, in the time that you've been watching. Yeah. This, 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 this is like the coronavirus, something new. Yeah. So. And, and almost as bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. And. And of course, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, there's nobody on the Republican side, absolutely no one playing a similar role on the Republican side. No, they're in lockstep. not playing that role. You, you, you know that? There's, they're in lockstep. They're in lockstep. Because of Trump. He's in control. They, they, the MAGAs control the party including Trump, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You saw where he got um, booed by the MAGA, his MAGA people because he, he, he admitted that he had had the vac- vaccination and suggested that they get it too. Yeah. The so boost. What, so this, this is like a double Frankenstein's monster situation in that the Republicans – created Donald Trump, the monster, and then the monster created the MAGAs. And the, <laughs> the MAGAs are more monster than the monster. So it, it's horrible. It's a horror show. That's hilarious, man. It's the monster mash. That was a big right, Exactly. Uh, Monroe and I are old enough to remember the monster mash. Um, yeah, you're right. We talked about this yesterday. Donald Trump down in Florida, or no, it was I forget where he was. He was given that uh, performance with Bill O'Reilly, and he mentioned that he got the booster and people booed. Uh, and um, and so you're right. Donald Trump has to worry about how far can he go. And we talked about this yesterday, Monroe. Uh, Donald Trump is is ha- trying to have it both ways. It's really difficult to do. On one hand, he wants all the credit for creating the vaccine, whether he deserves yeah. it or not. Uh, well, he, he deserves some. He doesn't deserve all by any means. Well, let's just say, let's just for the sake of argument, give him the credit for it. Let's just for the sake of argument, okay? And that's some argument. <laughs> that's some sake. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, let's just say, all right, Donnie, we're going to give you all the credit. Okay. But because of the limitations of MAGA's acceptance of the vaccination, he can't urge them 
to take the vaccine, which he is claiming is saving America. You can't right. save America, Donnie, if you don't take the vaccine. Well, and you can't get credit for saving America if your people aren't taking the vaccine. Go ahead. Right, right, right. No, and not, not only that, but going back to the monster uh, analogy, there is an ant. The anti-vax movement has grown as a result of what he did. They did with the coronavirus. It's now it's now spreading to to other uh, vaccinations, where people are deciding that um, why should they take them, or oh, whether it's good for them or not. Wow. That is so be- before the climate kills us, the virus is made. <laughs> oh, my God. We're all going to be hiding out in our houses. Right. Well, that's what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, yeah, we're double hiding down there. <laughs> we'll, um, be, we'll, we'll be in the, in the basement or someplace. <laughs> uh, before you came on, I was talking about this, having a little fun with this. Uh, you know, I was talking about how we're heading toward uh, – we're not having a full shutdown. You and I talked about this before we in the air. Politically, it's just not feasible. And secondly, there's really no reason with the vaccine to go to a full shutdown. Right. Okay. Uh, what you have to do is get people to get vaccinated. That limits the severity of COVID, which will then put less of a strain on the hospitals uh, so they won't have to treat as many people when we is overloaded. We all know the situation. Uh, and um, so, but because there's the strong... Uh, reluctance to take the vaccine uh covid just keeps getting stronger and stronger and spreading and etc and so forth so now uh the uh you have to have a card to get into public events in the city of chicago that proves that you were vaccinated we're talking about this some friends i know who have fake cards right and i just like it's just so bizarre they have fake cards because they don't want to miss a bulls game they want to be able to get into the bulls game so they have a fake right. card I'm like where is your perseverance where is your courage this is not like muhammad ali put it all on the line when he didn't want to go to the draft he gave up his ability to uh uh to fight he didn't come up with a fake card that said he was some other boxer do you know what i'm saying monroe oh, oh yeah no it's crazy it's crazy I mean, it's, it's just absolutely insane um you know, the, the, the thing is, with if we got the vaccinations here and in the rest of the world, you know, because if 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 everybody but Africa gets vaccinated, we're still going to have the virus. But if we all got it, got the vaccination, then the virus would be insignificant because uh, it wouldn't have as many people to spread to to develop new variants. Um, the one they have now, apparently, with the um, Omicron, is a milder version of uh, of the Delta, and that it what it does is it it stays in your your nose. That's that's where it stays. It doesn't go down into your lungs to kill you. So it's it's like having the flu. <laughs> For real, <laughs> instead, of, instead of when we had the Delta, it was much worse than the flu. Yeah, well, if, if, if okay, with the caveat, of course, that's if you're vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, if you're not vaccinated, you're fair game yeah. for any of them. Uh, but see, I know how people think, and we're like a, a cagey species. 
And so I just know how people think they're always looking for an angle and how it impacts them and affects them. And if you don't want to take the, so a decision has been made, Monroe, there are some people who are diehard. They're just not going to get vaccinated for whatever reason they've, they've convinced themselves. They, they got a, a belief that they're following or an ideological vote. But most people, Monroe, at least in my experience on this issue, yeah. they like figured it out. So they're like, well, I don't think I'm going to die by it. I think I'll get it. Now that I've heard many people tell me, ah, it's like the flu, man. I've had the flu. I can deal with yeah, this. If you're vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, it's like the flu. Yeah. If, if you're not vaccinated, it's like the coronavirus. Well, there's a chance even people who aren't vaccinated get it. I mean, not everybody dies. Who get So in other words, like yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Right. Plays with Green Bay Packers quarterback. Yeah. And he had it. And, he, and, and, and Joe Rogan. Uh, oh yeah, no, it doesn't kill you know, but that's a, and that's the problem is it's been made in, into a larger than death uh, virus, in, in that people think that if you get it, you're automatically going to die. Most people, un, the unvaccinated even, don't die from it. Uh, they, you know, there's they, various stages of horrible illness you get, yeah. but most don't die from it. But too many do, and that's yeah, the problem. Too many do, uh, and uh, there's uh, and and it does knock you out of circulation for a while, so you can't work. Right, and then you have to worry about being uh, separated uh, from the people you live with, so right. you don't get to them. Uh, so there's all kinds of consequences right. uh, from it. And I've always believed, you know, it's so bizarre. Um, we live in a capitalist society, Monroe. I don't know if you and I have had the capitalist conversation lately. Yeah, it's been we had it last week when I, I told week. you that um, I, I, I thought it was a tragedy that, that communism died. Yes, that's right. It was like yeah. it was you had that conversation. <laughs> that was Monroe Anderson who said that, ladies and gentlemen, not me. Send your letters, cards, complaints to Monroe. He'll, he'll love to hear from you. Yeah. Well, uh, I, did, I did say I'm a capitalist, so I've been in the stock market since the 1980s. Oh, man, he's the biggest. He's one of the biggest capitalists I know, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but no, there's a difference between being a quote-unquote capitalist yeah. and in the markets. Like a lot of people play the markets. It's, it's just a form of gambling to them. And particularly with Robin Hood, what's well, the whole side tangent? I, there's a, and by the way, I see a correlation between people who don't get vaccinated. Uh, and um, I'm thinking of a couple of friends of mine at the bowling alley and are Robin Hood investors. It's a correlation there, but uh, I'll, 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 I won't go down that uh, path. But anyway, our, our, our worship of capitalism uh, is. And, and, and there's also day traders. Don't forget them. Oh, the real gamblers. The real gamblers. Well, a lot of uh, the Robin Hood crowd is a day trading crowd. Okay. Uh, they'll buy the stock in the morning and sell it at night, and they hope that the, the difference will mean a profit. Um, so, uh, but the market solution uh, to COVID is when uh, it's in the financial best interest of large corporations to make people get vaccinated. Right. And so, for instance, if the insurance companies were to say to the corporations of America, we're raising uh, the rates on you because not enough of your employees are vaccinated. Right. It's costing us too much damn money in insurance to uh, take care of them. You're losing too many days of productivity. Uh, there's too many medical, like uh, hospital days, et cetera, and so forth that we don't want to pay for anymore. So we're going to make you pay for it with higher rates. 
then you'll see. Uh oh, you get what I'm saying, Monroe? That's yeah. Cool. yeah. No, I, 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 the only way to solve this problem, you know, you know, uh, Joe Biden has been pleading and begging and uh, cajoling, and he's now they're now going to give if you haven't had a vaccination, they're going to give you a hundred bucks to get one. And they really, what they need to do is just mandate it. Either you get it or, or you can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and to and to check it out too. I mean, not uh, not let you go buy a fake ID. Yeah, that's that's right. what you got, you know. No, <laughs> the McLovin uh, solution. Get a fake ID. It says you're McLovin. Oh, hey, y'all. <laughs> I believe Charles Ellison has joined us. Charles, just jump yeah. right in. Okay. Uh, can you hear me, Charles? We cannot see you, but we can hear you. Okay. How can you? <laughs> I didn't know we were we were going to be zooming, so I didn't. Uh, I didn't we are pre- live right now, okay. and uh, the the entire world uh, is listening. Well, okay. The, our our very little corner of the entire world. I might. Yeah, all, all fifteen of us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my so, goodness that was uh, a joke folks <laughs> that was a joke yeah this is really dirty um, so uh i'm gonna ask charles that you uh join us right where we are in our conversation uh and, okay uh, okay but, absolutely because i know you're very political minded but i just want to say <laughs> folks i urge everybody when you're done listening to this go back and listen to the conversation that i had with charles which was, I want to say, I've lost track of time, Charles, about a year ago. And, yeah, definitely, yes. And, it was, and I'm very proud of this conversation and this interview. Charles, I don't know if you are as much as I am, but I'm very proud of it. <laughs> and um, it, so I had seen The Five Bloods, and Monroe, mm-hmm. Monroe, comes on, Monroe comes on my show every Wednesday, Charles, you know, right. politics. And so we were talking about The Five Bloods, a Spike Lee movie, about black GIs in the Vietnam War. Correct. And Monroe said, you got to talk to my old college roommate, Charles Ellison, who uh, served in the Army, was in Vietnam in 1968 or 69, which mm-hmm. was the height of the war. Absolutely. And, uh, so I, I got, I reached out to Charles. He came on. We talked for about 45 minutes about his war experience, how it affected his music he's a musician a great musician and a professor of music and it's really one of my uh it's just one of my favorite interviews so uh, i urge everybody to check it out we do a little deep dive into the 60s thank you vietnam war and um so before we go any further charles uh and officially Oh, that's Monroe's phone. Don't worry about it, Charles. Uh, before we go, uh, and it, it'll, it'll, every now and then he gets a phone call. It's usually a, a debt collector. Uh, and uh, uh, they're not taking his car yet. Uh, Monroe, why don't you just uh, do a little introduction of this distinguished man? Oh, I think we lost you, Monroe. You took you turned your sound down. Oh, that, that was serious, Holly. They wanted me to have my own podcast on that network. <laughs> and I told them, no, I, I, I'm Ben's guy, and I'm staying with Jay. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, 
We would reverse it. I would be his guest every Wednesday. He would pay me. Um, So yeah, the same amount. Yeah, the same amount. No, I would. I would uh, demand double. Monroe. (laughs) So tell folks about uh, how you met Charles and where you guys. How far you go back? Go ahead. Uh, We were both freshmen at Indiana University, Mm -hmm. and we stayed in the same dorm, and. we, we we became friends one night. Uh, we we were friendly, but then one <laughs> night we were both uh, doing we were doing all night studies for tests we had to take, and we were in the student lounge, and we were talking, drinking coffee, and talking, and we started talking about women. Oh Lord! <laughs> <laughs> and before the night was over, we decided we were perhaps the two greatest lovers in the whole wide world. And therefore we started this organization called the Agents of Ecstasy. <laughs> and, um, and, and so we, we would, we had, we made up cards. We had cards with our photographs. I mean, our pictures on it uh, with, with Agents of Ecstasy logo that we had created. And on the back of it, we had our motto, which 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 was good because um, one night I had driven to Chicago with friends, a bunch of friends, car full of friends, and I had a 1959 um, Chevrolet, um, um, a cheap the cheap model. I forget what it was called. <laughs> okay, but it was a cheap. And it was, it was it had, anyway, the brakes were going out. And so I was supposed oh. to stop, and I slid through the stop sign. Mm. And the police pulled me over. And he, when I had my wallet out, he saw the car. And so he wanted to see it because he thought it might have been a gang car, some gang <laughs> that we had. And so he said, Agents of Ecstasy, he looked at it, and he flips it over, and our model's on the back. And our model was dedicated to the proposition of spreading joy and happiness throughout the female population. That's all he gave us a pass. He gave me a pass. All right. Did he rest you? No, he gave me a he, 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 he realized there was no dangerous criminal here there. Yeah. He just should keep his daughter away from That is hilarious. <laughs> so Charles, is that your memory of things? Uh, kind of, kind of, Jan, kind of, yeah. We can exit that right now and get on to our other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I want to hear more stories about. <laughs> right. What, what other thing why he doesn't want to do this? If we were modeled also after James Bond, you know, that <laughs> Bond was hot. And so I decided that I was double agent, double, I was agent 001, and uh, that Chaz was double agent O oops. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 proceed. Let's proceed. And just want to point out, uh, he got so annoyed with uh, Monroe's antics that he decided, "Hell, I'm going to Vietnam. Just get a break from this." Guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's how annoying he was. Monroe was. <laughs> I'll go deal with the Viet Cong. And then, and then he left America and went to Canada to make sure there was some distance between us. <laughs> but your old friends. And- and uh, Monroe's been to Bridge uh, that have linked you and me. And uh, yes, you live in Canada now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 
and you follow politics. Uh, I do indeed. I do indeed, passionately. I know that. Absolutely. Uh, and we're gonna, we're going to talk a little music at the end because I've been going through this heavy John Coltrane phase, and Monroe and I have been talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, would love uh, for you to weigh in and just give us some insights into John Coltrane and why. Oh, he's I'd, so I'd uh, love to. I'd love okay. to. Yes. But before we get to Coltrane. I need to know uh, what it looks like, what the United States looks like from across the border. And Monroe and I are always talking about the madness in our country and the violence that's just always on the edge and the surface. And mm-hmm. so what does it look like from Canada? Go ahead, Charles. Yes. Well, it's there's probably two perspectives. The overall perspective is that the United States looks uh, really um, unhinged, untethered. Uh, askew, crazy, uh, so forth and so on. The other ones who um, who buy into the uh, settler state uh, money thing of the United States think it's it's okay. I'd like to go to Boist. Uh, I wish they didn't have COVID so I could go down to Florida or I could go to LA or somewhere and enjoy myself. But on part, the individuals who I come in contact with at the university and uh, in just my uh, general movement around the city thinks that the United States is uh, is 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 crazy. <laughs> that's how they say that's how they feel about it. And I must say that um, I, too, as an expatriate a person, um, I cry all, all, every night before I go to bed. I listen to the news, okay? I listen to, um, I, I see what's happening on MSNBC, CNN, uh, CBS, ABC, CBS, all, all of those things. Then I go to uh, check out um, the BBC, I take out, check out Radio France. I check out various, I have a, I have a plethora of, um, of uh, TV stations and radio stations around the world that I can get opinion from, including from the uh, Eastern countries and Arabic countries as well. And I listen to all of those things and I say, well, wow, you know, uh, we are um, unfortunately still denying reality. And uh, that's why the the COVID situation is so, is so, so important. That's why the, Voting rights is so important, and that's why the the Build Back Better is so important. And uh, we 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 don't see that as a nation. We really don't see that. We have enough nerves to to want to to, to argue about COVID and stuff. And what we have forgotten about, and I would I would I would say it would be germane for us to do, is to really think about. The, the things that, um, think about our civics classes. Have we forgotten about civics? I, I, yes, we have. Well, think we about civics. anymore. In a, in a lot yeah, of- I, I know, but yeah. think about civics. Think about, think about what matters uh, in the class were discussed. Think about that. Think about how we could let civics simply disappear from our school system and from our, uh, our body of thought, you know? How can we, um, how can we, um, how can we, how can, how can, can we think that we are a, 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 a vital nation of solid thinkers, of people who can think, who can problem solve when we, when we, when we deny the, the scientific basis of COVID? Why can we do that? Why don't we dare to be different? Why don't we 
why don't we fit ourselves? Why don't we do, why don't we fit ourselves into preset forms? Those are forms that the news. Why don't we do the news differently? Don't worry about your competitors' affinity to do as well as you do, because when you put the news on each channel, they do the same thing. It's the same thing with the same commercial breaks, same time. Why? Because we're looking at money. And we don't even realize that as Americans. I'm away from it, so I can I can look at it. Canadians can look at it and see it and say, Americans, why do you do that? And then if human Canada, can, uh, the Canadians follow what the Americans do too. Canada, why, do you, why are you trying to do like the Americans? Why, why are you trying to do like the Americans? So that's the kind of thing that, that really uh, upsets me. I, um, I, um, I, would, I would advocate this for Americans, okay? I'm a teacher, and I am really organized in my work. And I really um, recomm- recommend superb organization. I would say that if you have a computer, if you don't have a computer, you can do this with, with paper. But if you have a computer... Create a folder on your desktop entitled My Ongoing Growth and Maturation. My Ongoing Growth and Maturation. That's the folder. Now create subfolders, one on health, one on finance, one on politics, one on reading, one on prayer, one on meditation, one on music, one on dance, whatever you desire, whatever you desire. Find things of interest online and drag them into your folder. Revisit your folders often. Create additional folders as your base of comprehension is broadened. Observe that each day is a day of growth and potential understanding. Love that. And then declare that you are indeed living and participating fully in the miracle of life. Go on with your bad self, as the brothers and sisters might say. Go on with your bad self. That's what money and I would say. That will get, you, that's, that will, that will get us, us off to a good start. Get us off well, to a good, good start in 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 simply uh, living in this world in a way that's that's um, I think that that um, allows us to 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 give thanks for the miracle of life for right, the miracle now, you know and so forth. Just to respond to what you said, Charles, and uh, I, I do that without literally a folder on a computer. Yeah, uh, I'll do that with a notebook. I'll mm-hmm. do that uh, just in, in the in my brain. I'll put yes. it away in my brain, stash it away. Uh, but the issue is, what do you put in those folders? So if what you put in the folders is already biased or inaccurate, if you're feeding those folders with misinformation that distorts your view of the world, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Exactly. Do you follow what I'm saying? So, oh, I I, I do. I understand, but if you have those folders, then those folders, this, they, 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 this, they are a basis for discussion. The thing that I didn't say is that we have to be able to then discuss what's in our folders or why we are the way we are. Because if we don't discuss, then uh, folders or non-folders are not going to help us. You see, at least those of us who really want to do stuff. I'm not even talking about the ones who, who sit bad in, bad out. But the ones who want to improve themselves will continue to improve themselves. They will even look at the folders of the people who are the bad in, bad out differently. You see, every day I live, I can look at the conservative people. I've been listening to conservative people since I moved to Canada. 
Okay, I started listening to conservative radio stations on the radio. I have a short a shortwave radio, and I used to listen to stuff from Texas, from Alabama, from Georgia, from Mississippi. I listened to those right wing folks who said, you know, uh, uh, when they when they uh, blew up the buildings out in in, in Oklahoma and stuff, uh, how we where we hate the United States, we hate blah blah blah. blah. I know what they are like. I know what they are like because I listen to them. I listened to the brother from uh, D.C. who, uh, what's his name, Daryl, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but the brother who interviews the Klan's members. A brother, he has, he has the, um, the, the robes of over 40 Klan's members now yeah. who he's converted, okay? And, and oh, we don't want to talk about that, no, because I, I choose to know what's happening. I choose not to be... Uh, to be out of out of sorts with things, so I can. So that's what I do. I don't care. Well, I do care about what goes on in those other people's things, but in my folder, if I do that, boy, I'm getting a little stronger every day. I don't feel compromised as I did when I back in nineteen. It was about nineteen seventy five that I came to Canada and I started listening to those things. I don't feel compromised. I'm not surprised about what happened on 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 January sixth last year. I predicted that. 20, I predicted that 15 years ago, you know, so I'm not I'm not surprised. So those of us who are who are good Americans, who are, who are good people of citizens of the world will benefit from fashioning our, our, our book there. And don't worry about the other ones. We can't we can't we can't we can't help them anyway. All right. Uh, I know that gentleman you're talking about in Washington. I've seen him on the Joe Rogan show, uh, who's converts. Right. Uh, <laughs> Daryl, Daryl, somebody, Daryl Dawkins. Daryl Dawkins. Yeah. Daryl Dawkins is his name. Yeah. He went to Howard University. He graduated in jazz studies, but he was interested in boogie woogie and country music. And he ended up playing, uh, getting a gig in the country and Western band and, and uh, so forth and so on. Yeah. So, yeah, there, uh, we, there are all kinds of folks out here. There are all kinds, too many folks out here for MSNBC and CB and CBC and all that to, to say this is representative of our right. country. So let me let me ask you this. Let's move away from anti-vaxxers for a moment. OK, OK. Uh, and let's deal with another form of denial. You can talk mm-hmm. about denial reality. Monroe and I have talked about this particular form many times. Love to get your thoughts on how you interact with someone. So right now there is a, a movement in the United States of America. And I'm not making this up, Charles, uh, <laughs> to deny the reality of slavery. Right? <laughs> and, uh, the point of that movement is to convince Americans that the real victims of uh, race relation and race con- conflict in this country have been white people, or if they're not, they're at least uh, as suffered as much as black people. I'm not making this up, Charles. This was all oh, about no, 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 no. counterattack against critical race theory, which people just made up uh, the effort. Uh, throughout the country to change curriculum so that you cannot teach slavery uh, because that would hurt the um, self-esteem of white children. You know what I'm saying? You, you follow the same stuff. Of course. Uh, and, and then there are people who have argued that uh, Monroe and I've talked about this. Larry Elder who ran for uh, governor of California. California. Yeah. I remember him on a talk show saying that if we have reparations, we got to give white people money too, because after all, follow me in this, it was the slave owners who lost something when slavery ended. Monroe's smiling, but we know because we both heard this. So how would you, a man of reason, uh, 
begin, initiate a dialogue with a Larry Elders or somebody like that who tells you we have to give white people reparation because they lost their property, their slaves, when slavery ended? Very, very simple. You have to um, say to them that, uh, number one, uh, respectfully, I find you, you find your ignorance uh, so overwhelming that I that it's almost taken my breath away. I find that your your ignorance of history, in particular, is appalling. I would invite you to uh, join Narrative, which is a or check out Narrative, which is something run by Dr. Gregory Carr of Howard University. It's every Saturday, comes on at noon, and it's the largest Africanus class in the world. Every week, there are over 5,000 people on from all over the planet, representing the diaspora very, very clearly, very clearly, okay? So, once you, once you, once you, you and you're going to say, and when you study history, black history and all of that, study it from the perspective of black folks, not folks from Harvard or Yale or Princeton. And study it from the black folks. Realize that many, that few years after slavery ended, W.E. B. Du Bois got his degree from Howard from from Harvard University. Ooh, Mars, Mar, uh, Martin Delaney got their great degrees. What was, how can you go from being a slave, your dad was a slave, and you getting a degree from Howard? Mm. That, that means that, that your people are strong, that there's something about your legacy that's strong. Don't think that history started in 1619 for you. Your history started back in Africa. So you have to figure out, like they do at Howard University with their freshman class. The freshman class goes to Timbuktu every year. Check that out. Freshman class goes, they start learning hieroglyphics in the freshman year. Is, is this a class or is this the entire class? This this is the freshman, the whole freshman class. Really? Absolutely. Huh. <laughs> so, nice. so, so, so he, t- he takes them, they go, they, they go to Timbuktu every year. And he takes them, in, and so he, he puts them in touch with, he said, no, this stuff that they're talking about here, that ain't history. <laughs> he, he said, we predate history in terms of the, being the folks, the original folks on this planet. We're the original folks on this planet. So when you talk that stuff and you, and you encourage people to read history, he gives you books. Check him out. There's just loads, and and you know how many books he has in his library? I'm going to tell you, but uh, Dr. Carr, I don't mean to be uh, just, uh, 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 you know, putting putting you putting you out there, mm-hmm. but Dr. Carr in his library has uh, r- roughly forty five thousand books, hardcore hard book books and softcore books. He they they stay in four four different. Uh, 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 places that, uh, you know, uh, that, that you can store things. His book, his office at Howard is filled with books. He reads, he can be talking about slavery. If you want somebody to come on, have him come on and talk right. about, yeah, he will he he will really put it in clear terms. So when I hear this stuff going on and they, they want to be talking about Larry Elder and all this stuff, I don't, I said, man, this ain't, this, this ain't got nothing to do with reality because you understand that there's two realities we live in. We live in the one represented by this show and by other things that we do, but there are other people whose 
whose noses are to the grindstone every day and been that way since we first came over here. And Manor, so that's, you, that, that's it. That's Manor, it. Do you, do, you, do you think uh, you could have uh, a rational discussion with people who hold irrational views? Where like- no, no. And you, don't, and, 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 you, and you don't worry about it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I am not worried about people who have irrational views. Well, I you, will you, simply you, say if you come up to me and you want us to talk, we can talk. Okay, because I have the historical accuracy. I have I can give you the source. I can give you footnotes, so forth and so on. You can't do that for me. You there's no way in the world you can you can you can you can Mr. Elder that you can say uh, what you say about about uh, white folks deserving reparations. And the whole thing of reparations is another thing that we can talk about. This is stuff that goes on in in graduate seminars in university in the, in the HUBCs. You see, the HUBCs are, are the most are some of the most pr- some of the most precious things that ever happened to our country. The HBUCs gave us W. E. B. Du Bois. They gave us all of these great folks. They gave us the, the Black Freedom Schools in Chicago that we that I don't know if you even know about the Black Freedom Schools in Philadelphia. These things in 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 St. Louis, in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, in Dallas. And, and they're all over the country, but we don't know about these things. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I'm just saying we do not know about these things. I would not know about these things if it weren't for the pandemic. I was just, you know, I'm, I'm doing all my Zoom teaching. Here. I was doing my Zoom teaching here at home. And uh, and then I am online all the time just checking things out. And I said, what is this thing here? Narrative with Dr. Gregory in class with Carr. So I checked it out. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's it's so it's 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 like why didn't I know this all of my life? Why didn't I know this in the first grade? Why didn't I know this in high school and in university? So well, that's the thing. Monroe, okay, go ahead. okay, Chad, my turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I when I argue with people on Facebook, as you know, I argue mm-hmm. with the, the yeah. wing nuts, and what I do is I. Get, I, I I tell them what what they're saying is nonsense. Okay, and then I I, I have Googled the the, the real story. <laughs> okay, present that to them, mm-hmm. and um, they have two responses. Either mm-hmm. they will attack the source, you know, like yeah. oh, that's the New York Times. Oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows? We know how bad the New York Times is. How, how unfair. Well, that's CNN. That's one way. They just dismiss the source. To be yeah. honest. Or their other uh, solution is if they can't dismiss the source, they just disappear. I mean, that's the good <laughs> thing about Facebook is, is that you cannot respond at all. You can just disappear for a while and come back on another subject on another yeah. Not unlike the people who are being sued for $25 million, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See what 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 uh, scares me, Charles and uh, Monroe and I. We, oh my God, we talk about this every week. Uh, before you came on, Monroe predicted we're heading towards civil war in this country, mm-hmm. uh, and I just see. I have seen this country divided my whole life. I'm a little younger than you, Monroe, but I remember '68 and how divided the country was in '68 and '69. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, it was a frightening thing for me as a little kid growing up. But the division now seems 
somehow more, even more frightening. Yeah. Because, as Monroe was saying, there's just a, a set parallel universes of what is accepted as reality. So you, yes, like you, if you heard someone to go check out uh, Professor uh, Carr's show, mm-hmm. and, oh, that's just communist propaganda, or that's just you know leftist propaganda. And well, the the other thing they did a study on this been not too long ago, yeah, and they found out that if you believe a subject. Mm-hmm. And somebody presents you with facts that disprove what you believe in. You double down on your beliefs rather than <laughs> examine the facts. That's that, that that forces you to double down on your beliefs. Uh, you know, this is particularly among the the MAGA people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but but here, it, Monroe predicted a civil war. Okay, so I'm saying, in terms of having predicted that, Monroe, isn't it more efficacious for those of us who would be on the the left side as opposed to the right side to get ourselves together more, to get more of us together? Don't invest time in trying to talk to those folks. <laughs> invest time in converting some more of your own folks. Forget them. If it's going to fight, we're going to go, go, go down, it's going to go down. Right. If it's going to go down, it's going to go down. You know, that's it. So I'm saying that what we do in America and what's has happened in America is we've come up with this thing of talking to one another that's a part of a dance, a, a, a perpetual dance that's never going to end. Uh, you just dance on them forever, and the, and the TV credits come up and go and go away. Come up and go away. It's an, it's two years, three years, five years, ten years, uh, and nothing has changed. I'm concerned about the good Coltrane said when he was in the throes of his addiction. Okay, Coltrane said that he he went he went up into he went up into his his uh, bedroom in Long Island there, and he did cold turkey. Like Miles did at, at his father's place in East St. Louis, uh, in East St. Louis, Coltrane up there was spoken to by God. He said, he said, he said that God came to him and shined a light on him, and and John Coltrane said, Lord, if you will, if you will spare me, if you will, if you will get me out of this addiction. I will become a preacher. My music from this day on will be preaching and it will be preaching to people's souls and I will preach love. I will preach love, Lord, if you spare me. If you spare me, give me a chance. I will preach love to the world. I will preach love. And that's what he did. That's what he did. I remember that in, in, in when I, Monroe when I was in South Bend. I remember people there, junkies and stuff, who were ripping off people and all of this kind of stuff. I can remember this one junkie when he heard Coltrane. He cried, he cried, he cried, he cried, and he, he asked the Lord to forgive him, and he became a real good person. I know numerous people like that. So we're not worrying about those those people who, the, the nasty ones. Yes, they're going to be nasty. They're going to be nasty. They always be nasty, but we're going to try to be a leavening agent, just another another part of that thing. We're going to respect our women. We're going to res- we love our children. We're going to realize that our the fate of the whole world lies with our children. 
oh my goodness. So we're going to really take care of our children. And we're going to realize that the, the, we've come this far because of our elders and our, an, our elders and our ancestors. So we're going to take care, really good care of our children and our ancestors. Now look at the United States and see what we do about our children and, and, and our elders. Oh, right. uh, now, uh, yeah, if you really want to know, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, just take a look at how we treat people we shove into uh, senior citizens' homes and just lock Thank them you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. But down this road. Monroe, uh, do you have any uh, thoughts before we leave politics to, to uh, go into Coltrane country? Or do you want to, any last thoughts before I uh, officially change the conversation? Uh, you know, tra- tra- train is a, a, a cultural treasure. Tell me about it. Right, exactly. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, it, in fact, uh, th- those who know know his music and love him refer to him frequently as just trained. They don't. They even drop the cold off of it. <laughs> so, Charles, uh, if you don't, if you don't mind, I'm just going to underplay something real softly. Tell me if it's too loud. Go ahead. Can you hear that? Yes. Oh, is it too loud? No. <laughs> okay. This is just, I want this played at my funeral. This is called Dear Lord. I had a, I had a student one year who wrote lyrics to this. And uh, they, they, they actually sing this at the Church of John Coltrane in Frisco. Yes, sir. And just a little more. Oh, Lord, have mercy, train. Oh Lord, yeah. Okay, I just wanted to. I just wanted to do a little bit of that so that you could have a, have an idea of um, of his sound, you know. And when we look at Coltrane, we're talking about the. Uh, I would say that. I would, let me just add this parenthetically that if you want to check out something really beautiful about Train, check out um, Cornell West's. Um, Link, which is on uh, Coltrane and Chekhov, his two heroes, Coltrane and Anton Chekhov. Okay, so that's very beautiful. But anyway, when when, when Train died, mm-hmm. uh, Chaz took his trumpet and walked down the middle of the street, Main Main Street, I think it was, <laughs> in South Bend, playing homage to it. Is that true, Charles? That, it's, it, that, it's, yes, it's true. It's true. What, it's that, true. what year was that? When did Coltrane die? 67. Seven. Yes, I couldn't remember if it was 66 or 67. Yeah, yeah, 67. Died of cancer in 67. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Train was, you know, he, he first of all, he was he was born in um, in Hamlet, North Carolina. His father was an African-American Episcopal Zion Church minister, Reverend William uh, Blair. You know, his, his maternal grandfather was, um, was, uh, uh, was um, William Blair, and his dad was William, Con- William H. Coltrane, uh, an AME, uh, AME Zion minister in Hamlin, North Carolina. So uh, uh, Train had all of this African stuff, all of this stuff of... Uh, of uh, of worshiping and, and of, 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 of uh, being in the world a certain way, just from that, just from, from that. Now, when he was a young man, uh, well, a young boy, his, his father passed away and his mother moved him to Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia is the home of Monroe's wife, Joyce Owens. 
Okay. Now, a study of, uh, of jazz will show you that Philadelphia is just an awesome city. It's an awesome city, not only because of its jazz musicians, but because of its classical musicians, as her mom was a great opera singer, you know. And uh, they're great conductors from there. They were cowboys, cowboys. They had their own stables and stuff in, in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is just a heck of a of a city to think about. And when you think about that, that, that uh, Hank Mobley, that, um, that, um, uh, um, um, oh my God! I can't think of all. Of, I'll think of them in a minute. But uh, all these great saxophonists from Philadelphia uh, came through there, you know. And and John Coltrane was a, a part of that thing, and he learned to play there, you know. Uh, he, after he, um, I'm just uh, skipping ahead, but he went into the. Let me tell you, for two years, mm-hmm. I've been trying to talk Charles into doing a TED talk. <laughs> and he tells me he's going to do it. I'm still waiting. Two years. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 if I, when I, when I feel I'm up to it, I, I think I don't think I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm good enough to be on TED. <laughs> to do a, t- a TED talk about John Coltrane? Yeah. Well, you know, I guess I, I might. I, I, I might. Money, my man, money. He's, he's, he's always pushing me. So I probably will go on and do one about him, you know. I'll do one about uh, many, many things. But Coltrane, uh, as, a, as a young, uh, he, was in the, he was drafted into the, the military and was in the Navy. He served in um, Hawaii in 1946. Uh, after that, he made his first recording in a military band in Hawaii in '46. Uh, then moved back to Philly, where he got the, got into the rhythm and blues thing, you know, with Earl Bostick and all, all of those folks, King Colax, a lot of folks and stuff. And uh, he uh, he was always very, very, very um, inquisitive, as Jimmy Heath, his his friend from. Um, from Philadelphia would say, you know, and Benny Golson, another friend from Philadelphia would say that uh, Train would just, he, he had a problem to solve, okay? Rather than work on it for a little bit, he would simply put it on the table and he would work it through until it was com- completely resolved. He'd work it from 360 degrees. 360, he'd just work at it, 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 and it was done. So he brought that kind of discipline to, uh, to, the, to the table and influenced us all to think that way. Now, how did he influence me? Well, he influenced me because I hadn't, I hadn't um, you know, I hadn't thought about all of these things, uh, about what, 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 what I would do. But when Train died, when Train was here, he affected my thinking. He affected me about the necessity of work. He affected me in terms of um, thoughts about meditation, of striving for the unobtainable excellence. He, he affected me in terms of seeking to transform a society, of, of being a better person, of honoring our ancestors, of being a better musician, of organizing my practice, of, of organizing my life. He just he just touched me so deeply that I would talk to Monroe and up uh, and Ronnie and other friends about him, and uh, they would say they would get 
part of what I did. They were not immersed in him as I was, but they knew that this person, John Coltrane, was something else. He was just really, 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 really something else. And he affected so many of the musicians from Chicago. You know, I'll just give you, I'm going to name a few uh, Chicago musicians who all you Chicago people should look out and check out. Gene Ammons, okay? Juan Freeman, Henry Threadgill, Roscoe Mitchell, Johnny Griffin, Ira Sullivan, Chico Freeman, Clifford Jordan, Anthony Braxton, Joseph Jarman, Marshall Allen, John Gilmore. That's just a few, just a few of the saxophone players who John Coltrane directly affected, you know, directly affected. When when John when when, when John Coltrane went to um, to Chicago, he learned things from John Gilmore. Okay, John Gilmore is a, a famous place person who played with Son Ra and played with Art Blakey as well. You see, there's so much, there's just so much uh, uh, about Coltrane's uh, thing there, you know. And Coltrane affected the, uh, he, he affected the, he is affecting where we will allow him to affect the whole thing of university jazz education. All right, wait now, hold on. You said... John Coltrane was, I wrote this down, striving for unobtainable excellence. Absolutely. Uh, which is a great concept, uh, an excellence that, just think about that. You can't obtain <laughs> it, but you still strive to get it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a madness, Charles. Uh, oh, well, it's, it's like Duke. When, when, when Duke. when Duke died, when Duke died, he was, he was, writing, he was writing his next best his next piece. He said that his next piece was his best piece, you know, and Duke, like Train, saw through God, through this, through being a spiritual person, that his most, his most significant work were his three sacred concerts that he wrote. Yes! So you think about Duke being one of the paramount figures in U.S. cultural history. Duke Ellington, Duke yeah. Edwardton, uh, Kennedy Ellington, born in Washington, D.C. You know, and Duke was a visual artist as well. Duke actually maintained painting as well as composing and leading his band for his whole life. And he actually shared that with, with Tony Bennett because he said, he said, he, Tony showed him some of his work and Duke said, well, you know, Tony, uh, I started out as a visual artist and I had scholarships to go to, 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 to school to study that. But, but, but music made me take another path. You know, he said, I highly recommend having a second thing to do this whole thing of, of, uh, of, uh, of uh, one thing, uh, no, 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 no. He said, he said, continue to paint, continue to paint. And my man is still painting and still yeah. singing. At age nine or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, you know. So it, there's nothing wrong with dedicating your life to something that can't be obtained. Then is what exactly. You're that, that's 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 African. That's it's more than African, but that's certainly part of uh, our African way of being. Way of being. When you teach in Africa, in Africa, you you sit in a circle around a tree. There is no uh, there's no requirement for gender, for age, whatever. For you just sit around the tree and you discuss with the elder who is taking you through this. You you simply discuss. If you are six, if you are sixty, if you're ninety four, whatever, you discuss and 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 you understand that you're not going to come up with the with with the 
the the answers, but it's the discussion and the process that is what makes us work as a as a species. It's it's that the, of striving for the unobtainable excellence will keep you working until you draw your last breath. Let me see. I'm going to be doing it till I draw my last breath. Uh, yes. Uh, I think Monroe and I will be doing the same thing. We're, yeah, trying, of course you we're trying to change the world one podcast at a time. <laughs> uh, Monroe was, was Charles just learned back in the day in that dorm room in, uh, Indiana. <laughs> Uh, no, no. <laughs> what are you doing the coal train? And Charles, I have to tell you, and I'm speaking for myself, not Monroe. Okay. I, I, I went through life ignorant of John Coltrane until the pandemic. I was thinking okay. about this the other day, Monroe, all the things I have to be happy for, for the pandemic. And one thing, uh, <laughs> there's not many, but one of the lists is that it just forced me. I think I told you this, Charles, it forced me to just, I couldn't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. I just started to listen to jazz. Mm-mm. And like the only thing in the seventies, when you and Monroe were listening to Coltrane, I was listening to like Donald Bird, the Blackbird mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think I told you this. And I just and the got- Blackbird. Let me tell you, one of the Blackbirds was my. I think I might have said this before, but he was he was a colleague of mine in Vietnam. You did tell me that on the. I think he did. Okay, I love. I still love the Blackbirds. I'm not backing out. Oh yeah, out oh, that. yeah, yeah. I, I love them too. I, I would listen to them last night, as a matter of fact. And I was <laughs> okay. astounded to learn that they do a song that Marvin Gaye covered. I didn't know this. This is all the things oh, I learned. Of course, the, of course. You know, uh, in the pandemic. And then I just, just stumbled on John Coltrane. <laughs> and I, I can't, I'm like, every, t- every time I go there, it's like I don't quite understand it. Yeah. 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 It's not comprehensible in some ways. It I mean, was, it's really comprehensible. Yeah. Well, uh, there are things, Ben. You see, what would happen with John Coltrane if I were introducing you to Train? The first thing I would introduce you to would be a record with him and Johnny Hartman. Johnny Hartman is a great baritone uh, singer uh, who they, they did beautiful things. And then I would introduce you to his re- record ballads, okay? He's not he's very lyrical because that's one side of his musical persona that actually goes un, 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 unheralded. John Coltrane was the most lyrical person you could imagine when he played you could hear Ella Fitzgerald you could hear Sarah Vaughn you could hear Billie Holiday you could hear you could hear Billy Eckstein you could just hear these beautiful beautiful people deliver melody and deliver lyric content the lyric deliver the, deliver the lyrics of songs in fact Ben um, uh, talk about your boy uh, 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 Gene Ammons from, uh, from Chicago Chicago. Gene was playing a song one time and uh, and all of a sudden he stopped and they said, what's wrong, Gene? Gene said, I forgot the lyric. <laughs> you see, some people like Coleman Hawkins and Ben Webster, they wouldn't even play a ballad, Ellie like Joe Davis, they wouldn't even play a ballad if they didn't know the lyrics to it. Yes, you've changed. That sparkle in your eye is gone. You have to, oh, Dexter Gordon. They would, They knew the lyrics of songs. And it was part of what they what they would they would say as they spoke. They are actually speaking the songs, which gets into a love supreme. And you look at the poetry. John Coltrane up in that loft envisioned the album cover of a love supreme. 
he envisioned um, he envisioned what it would look like that it would be in black and white. He envisioned a poem that he wrote in. He wrote in, he wrote a poem, but the poem was not a poem. The poem was a prayer, a prayer, and it was discovered by Lewis Porter, who is a great uh, scholar on John Coltrane. If you want to buy a book on John Coltrane, get Lewis Porter's book, which is called John Coltrane: His Life and Music. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Lewis Porter discovered that that poem on there was a prayer, and that train is playing it on the sha da da. He is he's playing the prayer. <laughs> oh my goodness, he's playing the prayer. So we are we we some deep folks. We no no we very deep folks. Oh my God, the stuff that we do, it's very deep and it's and it has to do with 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 the with the earth. It has to do with the very earth, and it has to do with our mothers. We come in this world through our mother's wombs, and it comes, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and appreciating our ancestors. Ben, I know that your ancestors are uh, right now, they're looking at you and they're proud of you. And they're proud of money and they're proud of me. And your ancestors will always be there to guide stuff for you. One of the things that I do with my class, I tell them that I have a place to go to get away from it all. And I do this through a sense of meditation. My meditation is on a cloud. I don't know if I did it, told you this in the last one, but I have a cloud. I'm on a cloud, okay? And I have it fixed up the way I want it to fix it up. I got a nice, I got a nice building there. I got nice rooms. I got nice chairs and couch sofas and stuff to relax on. I got trees. I got birds. I got a waterfall. I got all of these things. And when I go there, I call upon my ancestors to watch me practice. Oh, I call up my Aunt Hattie. I call up who died, who was a very beautiful school teacher and piano uh, uh, teacher in in um, in Jackson, Tennessee. I call up on my grandmother, Mary Mary Davis Johnson. You know, I call up on my my uh, my old university teacher, David Baker. I call up on all these people, and I call up on Adolf Hersett. He's an ancestor, but he's not. He's he's he was the first trumpet player with the Chicago Symphony for so many years. The person of of all. Whose sound is a model for sound for anybody who plays trumpet, who's interested in playing a beautiful, uh, having developing a beautiful trumpet sound. They surround me. I'm sitting there and they and I play, and I said, "Well, Mr. Hurst, what did I what did I sound like?" And he tells me. He, t- he gives me, and I said, "Hey, Hattie, would you tell me um, what what do you think?" And she tells me things. I'm not crazy, if you want to call it crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, my lord. Do you think that's crazy? He was that way when we first met. He was uh, he, he, he he was out there. <laughs> That's how we would say it. Jazz is out there. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Chaz, you talk like a jazz player. <laughs> oh, this is like if we had John Coltrane. Monroe, imagine this: if we had John Coltrane, and we asked him about Kyle Rittenhouse or something. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, and he would take that and go on on a riff. Okay, here's a it's a beautiful thing. There's a book of interviews by Frank Kofsky. Frank Kofsky was a um, was a, a left-wing communist who was, you know, a typical left-wing kind of things and he interviewed Train. And boy, he got he got tried to get Train to come into his left-wing thing. Train just stayed right in the middle. Train said, "No, no, 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 I'm not political." <laughs> 
He's, he said, no, I'm not. Trains was saying the thing. I'm about uh, trying to achieve the unobtainable excellence. Yeah. And I am about love. Frank would come on with his things. He said, I'm about love. So, so it's funny. It's funny. It's one. I, uh, I think I can relate to Frank trying to pin Coltrane down. <laughs> yeah, Someone yeah. says I'm not political. That in itself is a political statement, and I'm just <laughs> that. We'll take that up for our next show because we've run out of time. Oh um, no. Okay. Anyway, man, I just I I enjoy I enjoy talking with you so much, Ben and Money, and you know that I that I love you both, and you know that I uh, I respect what you do. What you do is is essential. You do this for your community and for the wider community around the world who would check this out. And it's just it's just beautiful. And I'm so I thank you for giving me an opportunity to uh, come on here and uh, run my mouth, as we say a little bit. And uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm very thankful and I pre- highly appreciative of, of you and your work. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Charles. I appreciate yeah, and, it. and he's going to do a TED Talk before two more years go. <laughs> Next month or so, to, and then we'll see where he is on his deadline. Uh, <laughs> Monroe and I know a lot about deadlines. Uh, even jazz musicians had deadlines. Coltrane had a deadline on that last album he was oh, doing. Oh, I know, I know. And when I can't finish this without saying Coltrane and Miles, you know, though Coltrane and Miles and Duke, there are other great Monk and Bud Powell and, and folks like that. And of course we just lost, we lost the greatest jazz educator of all times, Barry Harris of New York, of, of Detroit, who, who died in New York, but Barry Harris, if you people want to go on, go on and check him out, check out his funeral. It's, it's available online. Check out the tribute to him that happened the day before his, uh, his uh, funeral. He died at 91 years of age, one week before he would have turned 92. Barry is a genius. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's a genius. A genius. Coltrane used to come to his house in Detroit to ask, to inquire about what Barry was doing. Okay, so you see, this whole it's a huge complex of things for us to be aware of as Americans if we appreciate our cultural history. All right, very good. We got to leave it there. Charles Ellison, thank you very much. Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. I also want to thank uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of all Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. As Charles Ellison, Monroe Anderson, John Coltrane, and Barry Harris will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for Demarvelous. Woo! Taking out a petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. All right. Thank you. Bye bye.